Before we begin, a reminder that nothing on this podcast is intended as a statement of faith, doctrine, or fellowship, and this podcast is not affiliated with any church, school, or calling body. Hello, gentlemen. My name is Charlie Ungemach, and I am the founder and curator of the Gird Up Podcast. I started the Gird Up Project in my living room about five years ago with the goal of helping young men like myself grow in faith and live out their calling as men of God. In the last five years, my brothers and I have been able to produce more than 300 unique episodes of Gird Up, and we're very excited about the future. Specifically, a new season of the Gird Up Broadcast, which will launch later this month and run through the months of September, October, and November. And of course, we'll throw a bunch of interviews in there as well. If you'd like to help fund the new season of Gird Up, please log on to www.girdupministries.com and make a $5 cup of coffee donation, or you can reach out to us using the links in the description below. In the meantime, I'd like to take you with me on a trip down memory lane as we rebroadcast some of our favorite episodes of all time. Today we rebroadcast our interview with Seth Herlick of Him and Her Worship. It's a great conversation about masculinity and manhood. It was first published in March of 2019. Hope you enjoy. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. This is the place where young men come to learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. And our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to be the men that God created them to be. So roll up your sleeves, gentlemen, and gird up. It's time to get to work. Well, I mean, that's the reason that, uh, that's the reason I like doing this, is because yeah. I really like the conversations. That's, I mean, yeah, so uh, we are rolling, so this cool. is Seth. Seth. Whoop. Uh, Seth from Him and Her. Mr. Worship. Herlick. Him, and, Him her and Her Worship. worship. We rebranded. Okay, yeah. We rebranded. <laughs> rebranded. Been there, too. Yes. Understand how hard it yes. is to rebrand. Yes. So, Seth from Him and Her Worship, um, you heard from him a couple weeks ago, talking about his music thing. We're going to yes. talk about some other stuff today. Yes. Um, some big passions of ours. Um, cool stuff, man. But yeah. so like that, that's the whole, so the, the format of this podcast comes from, um, like I remember when I was a kid, they were just awesome men in, in our congregation that I grew Ooh. up in, in lacrosse and like some of them lived out in the bluffs. Um, others, like I would just help them with stuff or like you literally like walk their dog or whatever. And so you'd be driving around town or like driving around the bluffs and there was never, the radio was very rarely on. It was yeah. always just talking. Right. Ooh. So like having conversations and like sometimes it was surface level stuff sometimes it was telling stories about yeah. girls they used to date you know yeah. and all that kind of stuff um but it all like put together when you cumulatively formed you know what what i knew about masculinity and manhood and interest made so like the man you interacted with in college i would say like that's where he came from that's it was a, it was mm. a direct result of that and then i also um got to work with my grandpa and my uncle um, all the way through high school, my first year of college, they, they sold John Deere tractors. That's what yes, they did. They were implement that. dealers. Yes. Yeah, I still wear my belt buckle yes, right now. Yes. Um, and so we, when we deliver equipment and we'd go places and we'd go visit farms and all that kind of stuff, just driving around in the truck with them for hours and hours and hours and telling stories and talking. And they would let me talk and I would talk and just like those awesome, awesome experiences are going out fishing with my grandpa and my dad, you know. And having those conversations, and I re- so um, long story short, when I got to college, I, well, no, even even before that, like so, when we moved from the cross to where my folks are now, um, it was like that break right before it was, it was before eighth grade, but in my mind, it's kind of synonymous with high school, high school right? And it was, so it wasn't that super rough transition because we pretty much went to high school, or I did. Um, but like that structure kind of disappeared. I still had my grandpa and I was with my grandpa a lot more and my uncle um, and my dad, but like my dad's starting a new ministry. So he's got stuff. And then you go off to college or high school and college. I'm echoing. Do you hear an echo? I hear an echo. I don't. Uh, the delay was turned on a little bit. Okay. So. Okay. All right, anyway. Um, <laughs> so I, that structure kind of fell apart piece by piece. And I got to college and surrounded by good men, 
um, and, and like the professors up there were awesome. And, and but the men who most directly were impacting me um, were not the men. I think you know what I'm talking about too. But the men most directly impacting me in my daily life were not the men they should have been, and were not the men I needed. Um, and so like, I found myself as a freshman in college sitting in my dorm room, and I literally typed into Google, like, what does it mean to be a man? And nothing popped up. And I just like sat back. I remember sitting back in my, in my, in my computer chair and just going like, well, crap. <laughs> that was my last, like, that was that, yeah. what do I, where do I go now? Um, and not long after that, um, Brett McKay, like I was on the front edge of following Brett McKay with the art of manliness. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like before he was doing podcasts and any of that. Like I remember, like his blog first, post, basically. Yeah, it was yeah. blog posts. Was all it was. Um, and then like so, kind of watching that girl has been really kind of inspirational. Yeah. And then Ryan Mickler, who does an awesome podcast now. What's that one called? With Order of Man. Okay. Um, and uh, so, like so, I kind of got hooked up with them, but they they're in in no way are they like spiritual guides, you know, it's, it's especially Brett McKay. It's all about, you know, being the secular, you know, being a man. And they both are the, I think they're Mormons. Both of them are, or Latter-day Saints. Um, and so they kind of have a similar perspective to the Christian world, but they, they don't, they like, they don't get into what we, you really like, what we really need to get into as men talking about being men, Christian men, they don't get into that. And that's what I needed. And that's what I wanted. And I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, and so, like, I remember seeking out those conversations, and you were kind of a part of this. Like, when yeah. by the time I was an upper class, we were doing some crazy stuff, man, and, and we were doing it really well. And uh, like, fight nights in the basement, and like, accountability groups, and not the kind of a bit like, not like your pansy little like, right? You good, bro? Okay, yeah. Like, we were getting into like confessing sins to each other in ways that most college kids aren't doing, you know? Right. And, and real accountability and stuff like that. That. It's, it was I, it was a picture of what men ought to be like what men our age should have been doing in the, in that time we were doing it and I like and it was good and I was proud of it would you agree with that yeah. maybe I'm overshooting here but no like I'm really proud of that and I came out of MLC and came out of college and again just disappeared yeah like that everything that we had built just gone you know the older men we were interacting with um and, and kind of taking guidance from because we we built that you know and it just gone dropped out from underneath us. And so I looked everywhere for it and I couldn't find it. Um, and, uh, you find some podcasts and stuff that are like, they're good, but they're kind of geared at middle-aged men in crisis, like, and, and bringing them back, you know, or like when you're 21 years old, you don't want to hear people talking about what it's like to have kids going off to college. Like that's literally 20 years away from me or more. Um, and so that, like, I didn't want to be a part of that conversation. Um, and you know, through twists and turns, we got to the point where like I said, I want to have a podcast of my own. What am I going to talk about? Like, what can I talk about? I need a hobby. I want a podcast. Yeah. What can I talk about? And, uh, I said, um, like, well, I could talk about Jesus stuff. I do that all the time. And like, I teach kids. So I was going to do like a teaching podcast, realized that as like, I'm an effective teacher, but I'm not like the kind of teacher that can tell other teachers how to teach, you know? So that was out the door. And then one day I watched Secondhand Lions. You know Secondhand Lions? Love that movie. Oh, one of the best movies ever. Um, but he gives those the boys, he gives them the what every boy needs to know to be a man speech. And I thought to myself, you know, if I had had that, if somebody would have done that for me, you know, I would have been so much better off. You know, and, and, and I thought, you know what they kind of did? They kind of did. Um, and uh, I thought, I was thinking about those conversations that, you know, that I brought up earlier and talking about that. And as... As I kind of got into the podcast, that was my frame of mind was, well, if this was my swan song, you know, if if I die tomorrow and they open up my computer and they find this, you know, like, could this be my last words? And that's kind of what I started out with. And so those early episodes, they're like really raw. They're really poorly produced. Like the music is terrible. Like it's awful. Um, but I haven't taken them down, A, because you just love watching the progress. And B, is that that's a genuine picture of who and where I was. You yeah. Know? Um, and so now that we get to do interviews and, and talk about it, I want to bring people into those conversations. I, this is a really long answer to a short question, yeah. but, um, like bringing people into those conversations and having those conversations and giving. So the was three pronged right now is on Mondays, we talk about theory, right? 
Yeah. Uh, man Talk Mondays, we talk about what does it mean to be a man. And we talk about it and we explore different uh, different passions. We explore different um, virtues, different characteristics of manhood. Tuesdays, interview men that we know and admire who are doing something right. And we talk about you know what, what it is and, and give essentially give examples of manhood. And then on Saturdays, um, it's spiritual guidance and, and direction and keeping you centered and grounded in Christ. Um, and so like, I, like if I had had that consistently, I think I would have been better off. Um, and just like, I think that's, that's a good launch pad to the other things that we want to do. Yeah, dude, that's great. So a lot of things came to mind when you went on that. (laughs) So like I was thinking, eight minute monologue, dude, it was great. Okay. So I was thinking about when I was a kid, so I'll give a really brief kind of backstory to my life. I grew up in the central Illinois and I'm the youngest of six kids. And I have a gap between me and my closest sibling, which is 10 years. So I, I'm kind of an only child in a real sense. And the, the area I grew up, I grew up in this neighborhood kind of out in the country. <laughs> You're one of those, oh, babies. Yes, very much, <laughs> very much so. Like, oh, great, here we go. So anyway, I, uh, I grew up in this neighborhood and there wasn't a ton of kids my age, and I had this really great friend from like, I want. I think he moved away in like first kindergarten, first grade. But it was like one of those friends where like the summer was just it was like free range. We rode our bikes around. It was a, like you know like be home by dark. That's the only real kind of thing. And when that happened, I kind of was lonely. So and I, for some reason, I always have been attracted to older people for whatever reason. So not like that sounds terrible. Old. Yes. I'm sorry. I've always enjoyed conversing with people that are of age that's older than myself. Yes. Anyway. Oh goodness. So there was across the street from me was a, a retired vet, um, a, a cop. And at the end of the street was a firefighter. And they were like super influential in my like kind of upbringing. Like the guy across the street, his name was Bill. And he was like a super handyman, but he also like, he had, he was a gun collector too. So like we would, he got me into gun collecting and um, I always looked up to my neighbor at the end of the street because he was like, uh, yeah, I mean, basically firefighter, which was like the coolest thing that I thought. Like literally I was chasing like, I went to school to be like to become a firefighter for a season in my college years. So like super, super influential. But I think like the thing that I realized, and this is kind of past, this is backwards now, but like the thing that I realized is that like, if you are someone who's willing to ask the right questions, people, if they're passionate about something will literally tell you anything. Like they'll just spill it. And that's one of the coolest things I think about like the, like, having the courage to ask those questions because I think men are truly like, they will like spill it if you ask, but so many people are afraid to ask. And I think that was the thing I learned at early on. And I have used that skill to this day. Like anytime I need to know something, I will literally ask someone because like, they're going to tell me, I don't even need to go to school to learn it. Like they'll tell me how to do something because like they have pride about what they do. And I think that's just really cool about like community of men is that like there's like this knowledge that is so willing to be shared, which is really cool. Well, that's what men are wired to do is what men are created to do. Uh, And you, if you step and not to get into all this like woo woo stuff, but if you step out of the society we live in right now, like around the world, unilaterally. Boys learn a trade from a man. So whether it's like indentured servitude, essentially, um, where like or apprenticeship, yeah, or like apprenticeship, that. or that kind of stuff, where you know, where you hire on with somebody, or you, but like you literally live together, work together, eat together, you know, study together, like, and, and that's the way men raise sons. You think about like working on a farm, right? Like, where do you learn how to be a farmer? You your don't father. go off to egg school. No. You learn from your father. Right. And, and so tapping into, you're right, tapping into that and saying like, hey, lead and guide me, you know? Yeah. Um, in, uh, in, I think it's Titus, Paul, Peter talks about, Peter wrote Titus, right? Whatever. Yes. Yeah. It's a letter <laughs> so. to, it's a letter from Paul to Titus, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, whoever wrote Titus. Don't quote me on that though, people. <laughs> <laughs> it could be in Titus, it could be in Peter. I think that's why I was thinking Peter. Anyway, um, so 
he talks about, he says, young men should be three things. Young men should be clothed in humility. Young men should be submissive to authority. And young men should be self-controlled. And that middle one, submissive to authority, is tough. Yes. It's tough. But it, it does two things. It, like, you cannot, like, you cannot learn from someone else unless you literally become vulnerable to them. Like, I have to, so, so that we hate that word submit as, as yeah. Americans, especially, it feels like somebody's stepping on you, right? Yeah. But what you're really doing is you're, like, maybe a better word is surrender, right? Like, I'm, like, taking down my walls. Like, I'm opening myself up and l- surrendering myself to you. Like, I am, I'm a lump of clay, mold me. Yeah. You know? And, and, um, Tapping into that and doing that also allows the man on the other side, like the gentleman you're learning from, allows like awakens something really core and yeah. spiritual and real in him. That opportunity to like bring you forward, the opportunity to educate you, and the opportunity to help you become a man. Yeah, like that's a huge thing, and it, there's no better way to build relationships than to just ask the question, like, "Hey, you know, mentor me." Right. That is so interesting. I actually was thinking about. Um a couple of things when you said that. So like one thing that we talk a lot about is like death to self, because I truly believe that if you like in that submission or what was, the, what was the exact quote that you said? The second, the second, the most important one, uh, submissive to authority. Submissive. So like truly the only way that you can like be like vulnerable or to be moldable is like, you have to truly let go of yourself because Pride is like the is like the one thing that like builds that wall for learning, and like I, that's one thing that we've been working so much on. Because if you are if you truly are prideful, like you are like uninfluenceable, which means that you're like actually not going. You can it's like almost impossible to have growth because you think that you are good enough as as you are kind of a thing. So we work really hard at death to self because it's like. It's like I I need to get me out of the way so that I can grow into better and bigger and more awesome things, which is truly death. Like it's death. It's so painful, right? It's so painful, yeah. but yeah. it's so it's so transformative. I've used that word a lot, but I love that word because I truly believe that that's like that's like the secret sauce is like getting yourself out of the way so that you can grow into something better. Well, and you say so much of what so much of that idea of death to self, like it. It, what it stems from is this idea that I'm the one that's important, right? So it, what it really is is selfishness, right? You know, and being self-centered and being not necessarily narcissistic because you can't necessarily control that. Right. Uh, you got to you, you need to harness it. Yes. <laughs> but like that, like that's more a personality thing. Um, but this idea that I'm the most important one in the room, that my needs need to be met, that you know, and, and you have to do that to some extent just to stay alive, you right? Know? Um, but when like to I lost my train of thought. It's all good. Yeah, but like, to, it, there's the devil wants nothing more than for you to get in your own way. Like, of course. If 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 the Lord is working through me, the devil's gonna tie my shoelaces together. Of course, you know. Yes. And and if I like, he's he wants nothing more than to stop you and for you to think it's to something other than him. Yeah. You know, he, he doesn't like what that C.S. Lewis quote. Everybody quotes it all the time, but like really think about it. Like our policy for now is to, um, what is it? To hide ourselves or yeah. conceal ourselves. Yeah. Like don't let them know we're there. So I, I, um, like people get really crazy and woo woo about this too, but you cannot deny after reading scripture that the devil was active in trying to destroy what we do for the kingdom. And whether that's official, like public ministry or something like this, where it's like just something we really love and we're passionate about and we're bringing Jesus to people. Yeah. Or whether it's just like having that conversation or reading that book or like taking a step forward, the devil is actively trying to keep us from doing that. So whether it's placing temptation in you, planting seeds in your brain, you know, like, literally physically sometimes changing the world around us so that like we can't or not can't but so that we're there are things blocking us like the devil does that yeah so understanding that because i am a sinner because i am broken i cannot be the perfect vessel that the gospel deserves yeah i have to continually you know drown that sinful man in sorrow and contrition and take a step out of the way and let the Lord go. Like Toby Mac, I think has a song that says like, I'll be in the back. Like I'll play the background. Like Jesus, take the lead. Yeah. Like Jesus, the one doing the show. Yeah. 
I just got to take a background. I got to take a seat and just like play the background music and let Jesus sing, man. Oh, that's so good. I, so, yes. So yesterday during our concert, it like, so I was mentioning this in the other podcast, like sometimes in our concerts, like if we drive up the same day, it's like, we're pretty roasted by the time we're doing our concert. And one of our prayer for Jen and I, when we pray in before, we always like make sure to say like, protect us from the enemy. And so like, there was a moment in our concert where sometimes like you can just feel the vibe isn't going the way you want it to. Like not every concert is, you know, great. And the way that the devil gets into Jen and I's head always is like, people don't like this. Like they're, they don't like it. And that like really gets in your head. Cause you start like your performance level goes down and you're not in it. And literally there was a point yesterday in our, in the, like the middle of our concert where I like stopped and I just like prayed like to my, in my own head in between songs. And I was like, like you, God, you need to protect me because the devil is literally trying to sabotage me. And if he sabotages me, then I can't spread the gospel adequately to these people. And it's so real. Like that happened, like we struggle with that all the time. And it's so weird because it always, it doesn't come in the ways that you think it would be. It's always like in these sneaky little like mistress level type things where it's just like, yeah, people don't like you. And that's enough. And it's like, that can't be the devil. It's just like, but it's like, that's how he works in those little like quiet ways that can just completely sabotage your headspace and can like literally deflect the way. Okay. So this is the craziest one. We were on tour and it was, we were at like the lowest point in our tour. We were like starting to get pretty worn out. It was like about halfway through and we played a show. And so, okay. So our minimum to make was $300 and this show, we didn't make our minimum. There was like 10 people there. And Jenna afterwards, after the concert, we were cleaning up and Jenna was just like, this is like, what the heck are we doing? Like this sucks. Like this absolutely sucks. And we just played for like 10 people. We didn't make enough money. Like why, why are we here? And I was like, literally Jenna, if you quit right now, like, like just think of the future, like the devil's trying to sabotage you. And if you quit, think of all the people that we won't affect and how like that little thing of like, this is stupid can turn into sabotaging a ministry. And it's like, that's what's so crazy is I think people get really caught up in the big stuff. Like it's, it's always going to be this like big moment of like, Oh, that was the devil. But I think it's like the little whisper, the little tiny whisper that slowly starts to sabotage you. And then all of a sudden I'm not good enough or I'm not this. And then it glows to bigger things that ultimately like cause travesty in your existence. So yeah, yeah. sorry. That was a, for that me, was a like, big for thing. me. It's, it's, it's imposter syndrome. Like, <sighs> dude, like you don't belong here. He's just big dogs, man. Like, oh, you're not a big dog. You got to get back on a porch, bro. Oh, like, my gosh. Yes, I, It's dude. constantly in my in my brain. Just constantly in my brain. Like, I think about walking. I was at a wedding this last weekend, the weekend before we recorded this. Yeah. And, like, I remember walking through the airport and thinking, like, dude, you don't know how to travel. It's like, what are you talking Just go find your gate and get yeah. on a plane, dude. Yeah. But it's like, dude, you don't, like, turn around. What do you mean turn around? Like in my brain and in my heart, I'm going turn oh around. Gosh, Something's going turn around, turn around, go back, go back. Like, and man, like just the opera, like less than 20 minutes later, I'm talking about Jesus with a, with an atheist on the plane yes. and she's listening That's and we're amazing. talking That's and she's amazing. like, and we stopped talking at one point and she goes, so what's the difference between Lutherans and everybody else? I just went, give you the words, Lord. <laughs> and it was just like. 20 minutes ago, I didn't even want to go to this this wedding. That's like, so and also, crazy. like, the, one of my favorite weddings I've ever been to. Like, just, like, there were so many good things and so many spiritual gifts that came from it. And the Lord used me in some really powerful ways. Yeah. And, like, I'm a salesman, too. So I was talking about the podcast yeah, all weekend. Yeah, of course. Know? Like, there's so much going on. So many, so much good came of it. And the devil's like, dude, you don't, you yeah. don't, you don't go to airports. Like, right. Dude, airports. that's so, so You don't crazy. belong at an airport. You know, or like, and I can guarantee you before I do like a big interview or something, like if I have a weekend like this scheduled where I have three interviews in a yeah. weekend or before we go to a, a, like a, a retreat or before we go to a men's ministry or something like that, I guarantee you like four or five days ahead of time, it's just going to be like deluged with, with temptation. Like you're just going to find a way to weasel in and just like peck away and destroy like my peace of mind and my heart. The first thing to go, like first, 
all of a sudden like tempted to go back to sleep in the morning. That means no Bible reading in the really? morning. And as soon as the Bible reading goes away, like if I don't the next morning or like that evening or the next morning read my Bible again, man, the next day is going to be rough. Like as soon as I get separated from Jesus, that's it. Dude, that's so interesting actually. Like I can I can I I can track it. Like wow. I can track it. Like if I get more than 3 days away from G, from, from the Bible, from reading my Bible every morning. Because I read a proverb every day, okay, and I read a, at least a psalm every day, and then I usually read something like there are days where you just got to get out of the yeah. house and go, yeah. Um, but like right now I'm reading Galatians, almost done with Galatians, um, and so like if I don't do that every morning, like it's not like I'm screwed. It's not. It's not like I don't have power. I can still say no, <laughs> but you know, like after two or three days. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be, be beat up and I'm going to be like really considering like, is this any of this what I really want to do? Interesting. Dude, that's so great. Oh my goodness. So I was thinking too, imposter syndrome is like, honestly, I don't, I don't struggle with that as much as I used to. And I think I have two theories. Why? Number one, I'm going to say the biggest imposter syndrome. So we were pushing towards, we were pushing towards tour. Like, headspace was again personal triage what is the most important thing we have to do and you go line item down get it all done and we were driving to our first gig we had a week to do it and we were in wyoming i was driving through wyoming or idaho i can't remember and i remember i i I would call it like a panic attack but it wasn't quite a panic attack but i was driving and i looked at jenna and i was like oh my god we had to play a con I, I'm not a good enough music. Uh, I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm not a good enough musician. Like what, what have we done? Like it was the first time I actually had thought about the gravity of what was about to happen on tour. And I freaked out like yeah. legitimate freak out. Like, like You're ready to U-turn that thing, dude, literally. I was like, I am so inadequate. And then I remember we kind of like, I, I got past it and it was just like, I think when, when you find grace at the, like grace is the most epic at those moments because you realize like I had that feeling of inadequacy and it's true. It's the truth. I am inadequate. But the amazing thing is, is that God is going to use me regardless. So that having that at our center point and also finding confidence along through tour has like, I think transformed that in a bit to like, ultimately, like I think, so, so there's a Chris Tomlin quote that I absolutely love, and it's saying that we should all try and be like the moon because the moon has no ref- light of its own, but it reflects the light of the sun. And I think like if you have that attitude about yourself that like you're truly just a reflector of God's light, it becomes really unpersonal in a way. So like again, I am like I have flesh, which is a problem. You know, I'm sinful, <laughs> right? But Ultimately, like I have somehow, I'm, and I'm not perfect, but I've really been working on getting myself out of the equation almost, if that makes sense, where it's like, God is going, I believe that God has called us to do this and I believe that God is going to use me. So yes, I am inadequate, but God has chosen me for this. So I just pray like God protect me from all of that. And I've like had so much peace in that p- position because of, like it's it's almost like like a true like you just like it's the same thing with your like the podcast is happening right people are listening so which means that you internally know that you have the confidence of like this is something worthwhile like it's happening so now i believe like i it's like it's like um like re, you're being reinforced in what you're doing so now it's like it's up it's god's uh, god needs to uphold his part right you know like it's like i'm going to show up I'm going to do my best and God's got the rest, right? Like, and that's my attitude. And that has really helped. Not again, like yesterday I struggled, like the (laughs) devil got in, but like, that's been my biggest thing is like trying to build the walls to keep the devil away. And then just being like, I'm just going to reflect God's light and I'm going to bring my best. And that's all I can do kind of thing. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's so interesting though. I feel like it's such a, it's such a struggle in our culture to be a man because I feel like, Culture has this thing of what a man is, and then there's like what it looks like to be a Christian man, and I don't know if they align quite, and it's so complicated, and I don't I don't even know like I I, I just feel like 
ah, I think the true humbleness is where it all has to start. And I feel like societies is not, it's not about being humble. No, not at all. Not at all. Well, and so I, people, when I, I think the best answer I've ever, this is super cliche, but I think the yeah. best answer I've ever given, because people ask, because I am who I am and I broadcast who I am. And so people ask me like, so what does it mean to be a man? Is that you're redefining masculinity in a modern world? What does that mean? Yeah. And I, I, the only really truly accurate answer I can give is just like, read that. Like, go read the Bible. And, and what you see in that, that's what, like, that's, first of all, like, so when you read about Jesus, that is Christian manhood. Yeah. That is Christian manhood. There's no more. There's no less. That's it. And there has never, ever been anyone else who's pulled it off. You know, everybody else has sucked at it. Like you look at David, the man after God's own heart. He, I mean, he fathered a son with his baby mama, who is his, like one of his best friend's wife. You know, like he, um, he had sons that were so out of control. They tried to take over the kingdom. Like you can go and, and that's like, those are the two pop, pop up on top of my head. I know there's more. And I can't even think of them. Right. Like you can just go for like, Days talking about the failures of these these Christian or men in the Bible. Gideon, like, looked God in the face and said, "No," yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and then and then like snuck out in the middle of the night to catch down the Asherah poles, you know, like, and and then at the end of his life, literally like transforms so that the Jews worship him, the Hebrews worship him instead of worshiping God, and he's still in Bible as one of the great heroes of faith, you know, like Abraham. I'm nerding out now, but Abraham twice, two different times, he goes into a, into a new country, a new city, and goes like, "That's not my wife." Yeah, take her. Can you imagine saying that? Like, yeah, you can have my wife. Have your way with her. Like, you can't trust God even enough to be like, <laughs> "I'm really going to say she's my wife," right? Yeah. Like, and these are the heroes of faith. These are the men that are held up as like Father Abraham. You know, the David, the man after God's own heart. And if they have, like, I've never gone that far, you know, like, I've never failed that badly. I've failed pretty miserably, but not that bad, you know? And and, and there, these are the men that are held up as examples of the best of us. God used them. He can use me, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so um, when we talk about Christian manhood and masculinity, I honestly, I'm at the point where I don't even... Like, forget what the, screw the world, man. Yeah. Forget what the world says. Like, they're never going to understand it. They're never going to get it. They're never going to even, like, get close because, and this comes up again and again in the in the epistles, is, like, there is darkness and there is light. When you live in the light, you live in the light. When you live in the darkness, you live in the darkness. And you can't make someone walking in darkness walk as if they're living in the light. And you're not going to make someone who lives in the light walk as if they live in darkness. Like, think about walking down a sidewalk. If it's pitch black, no moon, you can't see where you're going. You got your hands out ahead of you. You're worried about everything. Like, you're inching along. Like, if if you've got the light of the sun behind you, there's nothing inhibiting you. You're just walking, man. Yeah. And you're not worried about that anymore. And it's not, like, it's not by your power that you can see. It's the light of the sun. Yeah. Right? And like go ahead and turn that into a into a pun, right? Right. Like it's the light of the sun. It's like you can't like you can't expect people living in darkness to see the light. It's not gonna happen. So instead of trying to make the world see things the way we see things, plant yourself firmly in scripture and be a light going out. I, I've talked about this metaphor before, but are you familiar with the metaphor of the lighthouse? No. Versus the tugboat. So the t- tugboats are in a harbor, right? And they're pushing and pulling and manipulating and changing and whatever. And there's two things you got to remember about a tugboat. One, their job is never done because there's always another ship coming into harbor. And so no matter what you do, like at some point, a tugboat captain's just got to be like, I've made enough money for today. I'm going home. Because he could keep going. There's always a job to do. Second thing you got to remember about a tugboat is a tugboat can only push and pull that steam liner or whatever it is. He can only push that thing and pull that thing if it lets him. And there's no guarantee that that ship is actually going to do what the tugboat wants it to do. I mean, in, in, in real life with actual tugboats, you hope and pray they do. Yeah. But like it, as a metaphor, like there's no they have to let you lead them. Right. And a lot of people don't want you to lead them. 
as opposed to a lighthouse. And a lighthouse stands on the... Forget what the, where the ships are, what they're doing, where they're going. It doesn't matter. A lighthouse stands on a hill, shines a light, and says, this is the way. You want to make it, this is the way. Like, if you want to survive, if you want to live, this is the way. And uh, instead of, like, pushing and pulling and manipulating, just, like, this is the, this is the way walking it. Like, this is the light. And, and we forget a lot of times that the world doesn't understand who we are and what we are, and they never will. The world is cloaked in darkness and cannot see the sun. And so we, like, letting the world define any part of us and any part of our masculinity is a, it's, it's perverted and wrong. Yeah. The only place I can find that is in Scripture. And that's why it's so incredibly, like, I tell everybody that asks about Bible reading, read the book of Proverbs. Yeah. Read a proverb. There's 31 days or 30 days in most months, 28 days in February. Read the date of the proverb. Ooh. So, like, if it's Monday, or it's, just, if it's the first day of the month, you read Proverbs chapter 1. Second day of the month, you read Proverbs chapter 2. Third day of the month, you read Proverbs chapter 3. And you're going to keep getting these lessons in masculinity and manhood throughout the entire stinking thing. Interesting. I and like then, that. eight months out of the year, you're also going to read about a uh, God-fearing woman in Proverbs 31. Like, there, you, like, a conversation about Christian manhood cannot be, like, we talked earlier about order of man and, and art of manliness. Good stuff, great skills, things you ought to know and you ought to learn. Go check them out and use them. But that cannot define your masculinity and Christian manhood. Yeah. They cannot be the same thing. So to flip it on you, I always ask the guests two things. Ooh. First question is if you could go back and talk to your 18-year-old self, and we kind of covered this a little bit already, but yeah. if you could go back and spend five minutes talking to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell him? Oh, my goodness. So this is really tough because my 18-year-old self was in a really good place, but my 20, 19, 20-year-old 20 self was in a really bad place. And this is, an, this is kind of tough because I think – so I'm going to go to the lowest point of my existence, which was like, so I, long story short, I got kicked out of school and I was at my, in my parents' basement and I was like truly suicidal, like very not okay. Like my life was really bad. Like, like when you get to the point of like, I was like staying up all night, sleeping all day, like really, mm-hmm. yeah. Sleeping 12 hours a day, kind of, you know, like super, super not good. And I think that like, my truly the problem was is that my value i had no value for myself i'd lost all value of my existence and i believed that because i was so self really self-focused on myself that i had no power to like ever become anything and i was it was kind of like no hope right and the interesting thing is that somehow god like has used me and used my story and now, like, I'm able to tell that story to so many people. And it's so weird because I'm almost thankful in a weird way for that experience. But I can't imagine, like, sitting down with my 18-year-old self and saying, like, hey, this is, like, coming. Because I think if I would have expected it, I probably would have tried to avoid it. And I think if I would have avoided it, it would have been completely detrimental to my existence because... I truly feel like I had to be there to understand fully how unbelievable God's grace is that he uses me, even though it's like, it's like the David thing. Like God used a man who literally like cheated with someone's wife and had the guy murdered, but he was still the king of Israel. Like, and, and the thing that's so crazy too, that, and I think this is really an interesting point that I've been wrestling with in my head is that like David, like everyone is so afraid of like, their true self and like we're reading david's true self thousands of years after it and it's like i'm afraid to tell someone about my actual inner thoughts because if they would know that would be humiliating and i think true true like humility requires humiliation which is like really hard but i think like that is the thing is that like i think i would have told my 18 year old self like your life isn't going to look like what you thought it would. You should let go of all of your expectations and you're going to go through seasons that are horrendous, but it's necessary to make you who you are. You know, it's like the, 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 you know, cliche, like a diamond requires time and pressure, right? A lot of pressure, but it makes something beautiful at the end. 
And I think like, that's the thing is like, I think so many people are afraid of like the hard times or the, the tough seasons, or they want to avoid everything. But I think ultimately, like if you go through something so hard that you are literally incapable of saving yourself, then you, who are you going to turn to? Like there's two options. You either like turn to the hopelessness and you end it, or you turn to God and like he fixes it. Yeah. And I think that is like the, in like, it's so weird. I can't even believe like, I think like the pain of that, but like now I'm like, thank you God for putting me through that because now I have a story to tell and I can say like, truly like God uses everyone everyone in every situation to make a difference so yeah that's probably what i would have said to my 18 year old self yeah well i mean to tie you said like either you turn to christ or you or you, or you end it right, right? And, and some people literally end it yeah um, but then like you also the idea that like the, the, the fame i don't remember who said it somebody said like most men die when they're 20 and aren't buried until they're 70 dude oh you know? dude okay and, and it's let me i have to quote it um it's most men this is a different one, but most men live lives of quiet desperation. Yeah. That's yeah. Henry David Thoreau. And yeah. that's like, I, I am vehemently against that existence. Like God did not put us on this earth to live quiet, like unimportant. Exi- like, mm-hmm. and that is like the, I feel like truly so many men are truly living the quiet desperation life. The life of, I hate my job. I don't like being at home. I don't like my kids. Um, I don't work out. I don't eat healthy. I hate who I am fundamentally and they exist and then they die. And that's just like, no, no, I am so against that. So sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I see you're sitting in my kitchen right now and right there is Jack London's credo. And, and, um, like, yeah, I'd rather be ashes than dust. I'd rather, you know, my spark should die out in a brilliant blaze than be stifled by dry rot. That's right? so like, good. Dude. I man, like um, a man is not made to 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 be. You know, you're meant to live, right? Um, uh, the a couple of weeks ago, Alex Enter used this quote: "Is uh, Teddy Roosevelt? You you can either rust out." Or or wear out. Ooh, like I'd good. rather I'd rather wear out than rust out. Yeah. You know, like just think of like literally it's just like rotting. Yeah. Like I and and that's actually changed my like you you were talking about the grind of of, of tour and uh, like I and I was talking a little bit about the grind of, of doing a, a podcast and you guys were like oh wow and I was like thinking oh wow to me like what do you guys like look what you guys pull off you know and uh, um but it's just like. I get to a point where like, yeah, you got to stay healthy and you got to keep that in mind. Um, but like when you really, like when passion meets, you know, meets purpose, purpose, there you go. Yeah. Like to throw out as many cliches as you can, when passion meets purpose, like forget about it. Dude, it doesn't matter anymore. You're talking about like eating at midnight and saying I've never eaten before. Yeah. Like talk about another cliche. Like you're, you're, you you want it so bad. You don't even eat, you know, but it's real. It is so real. And you can't intentionally be like, I want to want this so bad. I can't like, you can't do that. Right. You know, like, um, there's another one talking about like taking your body into the grave and you slide in broadside, you know, and just like saying, you know, yeah, w- totally worn quote. out. I can't remember. I, I can't, can't say it verbatim, but I can't either. Like just looking around saying, wow, what a ride, you know, yeah. like, and I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and, and frankly, to to a certain extent, every man is going to have some quiet desperation. Oh, yeah. You know, like whether it's driving through Wyoming or yeah. whether it's like sitting in a classroom for a six year old who don't listen to you going. Is this really, you know, um, and it's never going to go away. And that gives you an even greater picture of heaven is that that won't ever be there. Mm. But um, finding a way to live so that you really, truly are like a brilliant blaze instead of a little spark or just nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. That's that again. Like I said, Jen and I made enough money like we we had and you didn't know you would. There was no guarantee you would. It's crazy. I mean, like, like truly, we 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 had enough money with our jobs. We had like everything was good. Everything was good, but inside, not good. Like, I am not okay with. <laughs> I'm not okay with. Like, money doesn't buy it. It doesn't. You can't. You can't buy contentment. You can't buy happiness. And I don't. I don't like the word. But I. I get rid. I don't like happiness very much. But you can't buy fulfillment, right? Joy. Yes, you can't buy it. You yeah. can't. And your life is short, so you might as well do things that are worth it. Well, and just on the flip side, think about how much time you guys get to spend together. All the time. Like how many people get to do what you do? 
not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot. I don't not know many. About any. Yeah. Yeah. I like, and I mean, I'm sure there's days where you just want to get out of the car. And you're just like, go stand over there. Honestly, but not really. Not really. Not well, really. Good for you, we man. Got, we get along really well. Good. We're like, we always say this. You guys are a match set for sure. <laughs> yeah, literally, yes. We, uh, we actually said like we're we're better friends after tour than when we like left, oh, which good. is like the we lived Duh. in a thirteen foot camper. But it's camper. awesome, man. Yeah, no, I think like the thing though that makes it is like Jenna and I are like our passion and purpose have met, mm-hmm. and like we're a team now. Well, and uh, it's a good. I, I as you were saying, I was thinking like actually, I think most people that I spend a ridiculous amount of time with like that either i hate them right i shouldn't say hate them but that's, yeah that's yes. a real sinful emotion it's there yeah um or like inseparable from right on, right yeah like when you go through the grinder like that if your hearts are open and you're willing to like pour into each other right. you're gonna those bonds are gonna grow absolutely yeah, yeah. and i can't so even cool. imagine what it's like to do with your wife yeah it's i mean it's great that we do struggle the thing we struggle with the most that we're working on is like like and you might struggle with this too is like where do you where's the separation between life and the business? Oh yeah, and we're really because like truly we are so passionate about making it happen that like it's literally we could like some days we'll work till ten o'clock at night and it's like this probably isn't good. We need to figure out. So we're working on that like having fun and having hobbies and stuff. <laughs> we're we're trying yeah. to figure that out. But like truly like one of the things that we were struggling a couple of weeks ago cause we were just kind of, it was mostly me, but I was just like kind of listing all the sacrifices we make. And that's oh, one that's of the dangerous dude. It's crazy. And it's like, and I was, I was kind of wrestling with God because I was like, okay, God, like I've given up a lot of my friends. I've given up, like we don't have a ton of extra money. I've given up f- hobbies and like you have to come in and like fix something of this because I am getting, giving, like, sometimes we sleep in people's basements on a Friday. Like, everyone, I'm 25. Like, (laughs) we should be having fun. And we're sleeping in some random person's basement because we're playing a gig in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin or something. Like, that's a really big sacrifice to give up. And it's like, and why, why, why are we struggling with money, God? Like, like, what, what more do you want of me? And like, so I, and that's obviously really not good, but like, that's, that's the true struggle is like, um, letting go of that stuff. It's like, I, we got to, we got to work on like, you're using me. I shouldn't be, I I shouldn't care about the sacrifices. Like you've given me this opportunity and there's going to be struggle and that's okay. And so like, that's, that's something we've been working on specifically me. I've been working on cause it's hard. Like I I've always been a person that's able to sacrifice, but like, at some point, it's like, do you want me to give it, give it all up? And it, I'm God's probably like, yeah, I do. Yeah, you need to fully trust me. I've got it. So let go of all of those things. That it's like it's like when Paul was in prison, and it's like, yeah, go ahead, like beat me up, like, accuse me of things. Like you can't mm-hmm. hurt. Like if you kill me, I go to heaven. So there's nothing you can do to me, jailers slash world. Yeah. You can't do anything to me. Yeah. So I've been trying to work on that a little bit on my own yeah, personal just thing. Let go. Yeah. Yeah, but it's tough. I mean. We all we all struggle with different things, and that's like, there's no. I think like truly, there is no perfect anything on earth ev- at all. There just isn't. Well, there, yeah, there isn't. There isn't. You know. Sorry, I feel like I derailed this a little bit. That's fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do have some really practical advice that I've been hearing from some men lately. Do it. So there's this pastor that runs the largest millennial ministry in the country called the Porch, and his name is JP. J, I think his name, JP is his name. I can't remember what that stands for, but yeah, JP. I know who you're talking about though. So his ministry is like forty thousand people, forty thousand millennials on a on a Tuesday night, and Shane and Shane are their musicians, and he was talking about like his. He actually called. He has a group of elders that oversee his life, and I listened to him on a podcast talk about it. And these elders know how much money he makes. They know their financial situation. They know, like, he ha- they have access to, like, his internet history. Like, ev- like literally everything possible. And the other thing is, is that his wife has permission to go to them if she is, like, seeing him going any direction of wrong to talk to them. And they will address him. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. Like, accountability. He was talking about accountability. But, like, this, like, accountability that's, like... Whew, that's a lot of like that's scary letting mm-hmm. someone into my life that much 
But it's like, I think about it like God is entrusting JP, which, I mean, if you ever list JP, he admits he's a sex addict, uh, drug addict, uh, like alcoholic narcissist that was became a Christian like in middle age or like, I guess, probably late 20s or whatever. And God is using this guy and like he is uh, like he's a spiritual leader for a ton of millennials in this country. And it's like, oh, man, like maybe that's maybe that's what it takes to be to for God for God to entrust you with this many people to be oversee overseeing them it requires that so jen and i have actually been trying to we're trying to find people to hold us more accountable like like uh, other couples to that level of like we're gonna let you see into our financial system like our financial situation and our like our prayer life and all this stuff and like open up because i think that's the like the truth another person that i've been listening to is like if if you even have a she her name's annie F down. She is a, she's a leader, kind of a, a woman leader minister. Um, she has a women's ministry. She writes books kind of like Lisa Tierkerkurst or people like that. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know any of these names, but yeah. she, she says like, if she has any thought that is like ruinable for her career, which is like her ministry, she like will tell someone because she knows that, that she can be stupid in private, but she can't be stupid in public. And so like, we've been like, even, so even JP said, so he said, before a sermon once the night before a Tuesday night sermon, he was on his Instagram and he clicked on, uh, 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 he clicked on a, like a hashtag on his Instagram and it took him to a, another thing where there's a naked girl on there. And he said like, he looked cause he said he's a porn addict and like recovered porn addict and stuff, but he said he looked at it too long. So literally he came out his sermon the next day. And that was the first thing he said. He said, I just want all of you to know that I clicked on this link and I saw a naked girl and I looked too long and I'm really sorry. And I've been struggling with it. And he said that he was there till like midnight because so many people came to talk to him. And it's like, I truly believe that like, Oh, another one, Matt Chandler. Like, I feel like if the, the, where true grace is, he was talking about, um, he was talking about Jesus coming to the woman at the well And Jesus like literally went to her deepest shame, which was like she had had five husbands or whatever, or six husbands or whatever. And she was at the well in the middle of the day because she was ashamed to be in, you know, society. And Jesus like addressed her there and loved her there. And I feel like in true, like true grace is me loving, truly loving you for who you are, not accepting, obviously you're, we're all sinful, but like. I love you for who you are. And I think that's what men are absolutely craving. And if you can find groups of people that will do that, I mean, obviously they have to be holy and upright and holy is a wrong word, but upright men. But like, if you can find a community that will do that in your life, I think that is like transformative. And I think a lot of powerful ministries are going towards those types of operations. So, yeah, well, and so like, uh, I've talked about this before, but I, I have a scheduled phone call on Wednesday morning with one, with one, one, one. That's cool. I call, I don't have brothers, so I call my brothers. Yeah. Um, and, and you know them all, um, and they're all part of your life, but the, uh, um, like I have one on Wednesday and then one on Friday morning and I tell them what's going on. Wow. Like I, sometimes like you, you don't like you. There's no way to remember every single sin. Right, know? right. But it's like, the big stuff, hey, dude. You know? So like, this happened. This happened, and this yeah. happened. Put it out there. Right. Like, there's there. I I have no secret because you know. And then the other thing is, th- these two dudes are both married, and their wives will call. Have called me, and I they have permission to in the future to call me and say, like, either you know, say, ask me questions. Like, I'm not gonna tell them what the, like, their husband told me. Right. You know, in confidence. Like yeah, yeah. But um. Like they can, they can check in with me and say, you know, that's going on or that's going on Interesting. or say like, Hey, I'm sensing this. Has he talked to you or whatever? And, and so sometimes it's just like, you know, I, I think you're, I think you're good to go. You're like, I, yeah. you know, and other times it's just like, Hey, how's he doing? Yeah. Um, but then every once in a while there's like a, so there's definitely something going on and like, then we can go, I can go have that conversation with him and say like, like push a little harder next time and just say like, dude, so like, I, I just have a feeling <laughs> you don't even necessarily say like your wife told me yeah. that so, like, cause that conversation like, and they know that and right. I, they think they'd be receptive to it. But like, just trying to be like tactful about it and just say like, Hey, like there's something going on. I feel it. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever been surprised by one of those phone calls either. <laughs> 
You know, whereas like right. the wife is calling me, I already kind of knew there was yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, like I, I, uh, like I, I couldn't help myself to, to, I was at wedding last weekend Yeah. and I couldn't help myself. Um, like I came out, I felt a little bad at the moment, but like we came out of the church service after the ceremony and everybody's you know, hugging each other, whatever, like it was a victory dance, whatever. And, uh, I put my hand on the side of his face, looked him in the eye and said, walk the line. Nice. And like, I, I, I felt like it was kind of a killjoy. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I frankly was laid on my heart and it was like, Hey, you know what you got to do. Yeah. Um, and I, man, I, I, I love him to death. So I had to tell him that, Yeah. you know, and I hope and pray that there's a man that comes out of my, out of my wedding ceremony someday. Yeah. Looks me in the eye, smacks me around a little bit and says, walk the freaking line. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but then not just saying it, but walking it with you. Yeah, dude, that's so awesome. That's so great. Oh, I love that. I think like truly there's another person that I was listening to. I can't remember his name, but he was talking about, I think the the um, false narrative of being a Christian is being nice, and being nice is not being loving. Yeah, because people are nice all the time, and guess what? Being nice doesn't isn't truly nice is passive, so passive, and loving is active, mm-hmm. and it hurts, and it's it, it's like this, it's like being cut, like we talk about Jesus cutting with a scalpel, right? It's like it it digs deep, but that's what is required for higher in like higher existence. So, yeah. Well, you look at, you look at the, I always compare to the fruit of the spirit. Like the fruit of the spirit are all active, active verbs. Right. Right. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness self-control. I missed one. Anyway, <laughs> no, I added one. Whatever. It's okay. Um, but like, those are all active. Right. Nice is not no. active. No. It, it's, it's stepping back. Right. And allowing something to happen. And sometimes it's the right, like sometimes right. It's, there's no, like sometimes like, Taking a step back is kind, like you know what I mean. And, and nice is an umbrella, and sometimes, like, yeah, you do something that could be considered nice, great, right? But if it, oh man, it's so great. We nice all get is caught not up. It. We nice all get caught up it. in it. We yeah. all get caught up in it because I think that's that's truly like where it is. It's like I'm a Christian, so I'm going to be nice, and that's all right. Last no, question. No. Oh, nice. Question. You ready? Yeah. Last question. What does it mean to be a man, or what makes a Christian man? Oh, dude, that's so tough. Okay. I mean, truly, I think the thing that I've been chasing after is God's two commands, which is love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And I think if you truly live out of that lens as God is first, and I'm going to love everyone before myself, truly love everyone, then that is the true definition of being a man. So that's my answer. All right. Yeah. It's good, simple, yeah. short, and sweet. Yeah, loving people. That's that's our goal. Like Jenna and I have been on a mission to love people, which is really hard because it's putting others before yourself. But I don't know. There's a lot there. There's, there's so much more there. Yeah. So, yeah. It's the simplest, deepest answer you can get. Yeah, love. that's it. Love. Right. Yeah. So. so if you want to find out more from Seth, you can find him on uh Yeah, www.himandworship him and her worship.com and then him and her worship is all our handles and we have a Patreon and we have a podcast called What Do I Know, which is really fun. It's fun. It's Jen and I talking about things that we probably shouldn't be talking about because we don't know, but we do it anyway. I love it. I do it all the time on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so cool. Cool. Thanks so it. dude. Honestly, just from me, like this is so cool. Keep doing it. Like we need more people like you in this world. So keep rocking on. Keep persevering. As soon as I hit end, I'm gonna hug you. Okay. Sounds good. Awesome. All right, dude. Drive safe, brother. See you too. God's blessings. All right. Bye bye. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, editing, and distributing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you'd like to contact us with comments, questions, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at any of the links in the description below or on our website. Please consider supporting the work of Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping at our online store, or making a $5 cup of coffee donation at www.girdupministries.com. 
Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure you like, friend, follow, and subscribe to Gird Up and all of our guests on your social media platforms. And consider leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to the Gird Up podcast so that others can find us and be blessed by our content too. As always, thanks for listening. Now go and be the man that God created you to be. We'll see you next time.